and uh, he has done that again tonight. And he knows the word. Can you say amen? He is the Dean of Theology, Texas Bible College. And uh, I think that's an honor. And we're so glad to have his lovely wife with us tonight. Sister Davis, I have opportunity to work with her. And now we actually work on a board together. And uh, she's a joy. And she's a, a very nice lady. I don't think you'll find anybody more soft-spoken and kind. Now, I'm sure she gets aggravated at Brother Davis from time to time. But uh, don't all of our wives, right, brother? Yeah, Brother Miller. So let's welcome Brother Davis to the pulpit, and he's got a word from God for us. Can you say amen? amen. Praise the Lord, everybody. Amen. Good to see everyone out on a Wednesday night. It's a delight always to be with you at the Lighthouse. I just don't like the circumstances that bring me here this time. Um, our hearts are with all of the Buford family. Of course, uh, your pastor and Sister Buford and family, and that's his grandfather that has passed away. And, and then uh, my longtime friend, Brother Daniel Buford. Um, now, I know I don't look as old as he does. But, but we were roommates together at Bible College. And so we've been knowing each other for a long time. And when we went to uh, Texas Bible College back in the 70s, it was 600 miles to my home. So I couldn't just run home every weekend. And so uh, Brother Daniel Buford is one of my roommates. And we'd run to his home. That's only 120 miles. And so his mom and dad were just like second parents to me during those years. In fact, uh, I'll never forget, I hadn't thought about it in a long time, but I, I will never forget their kindness when our first daughter was born and they made the trek all the way out to Alabama where we were living a lonely existence trying to open a home missions work there. And uh, they came and celebrated with us and I don't know if they were just bored and wanted to take a road trip I don't know but they came to see us and we felt pretty special but we loved Brother Buford wonderful wonderful Christian and uh, I know you'll be praying for all of that family in this time of grief and loss we never never get ready to uh, tell our loved ones goodbye do we and even at 90, nice, long life, but, and I know he's watched him deteriorating health-wise for some time now, but it's just very, very hard to let go and to say farewell, see you on the other shore. So, let us uh, begin this evening. Actually, uh, when Pastor Buford uh, contacted me, I had been for a couple of days chewing on something that I thought would be uh, when I preach at Texas Bible College in the fall because uh, I knew I would probably be pretty early on the schedule and I just wanted to get ahead of the game. So I've been doing some thinking and, and then when he uh, communicated with me, I felt like, well, I don't know, maybe this wasn't for Texas Bible College, maybe this was for you and so I began to put it together and I will uh, do what I can to share those thoughts with you this evening. I direct your attention in the uh, scriptures, 1 Corinthians chapter 13 beginning with verse number 11. Very, very familiar chapter writing of Paul to the believers in Corinth. 1 Corinthians 13, chapter 11. Maybe you'd like to stand with me as we read from the word of the Lord. Beginning with verse 11. When I was a child, I spake as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. Now, there's probably a few folks that say I might ought to get a second opinion if I'm going to quote that verse. I don't know about you. Maybe I should. 
But he continues on. He doesn't stop there. He says, for now, we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then shall I know even as also I am known. And now abideth faith, hope, and charity, these three, but the greatest of these is charity. Amen. May God bless the reading of his word. You may be seated. Praise God. I want to speak to you for a few minutes this evening on the topic understanding the tapestry of life. Understanding the tapestry of life. We often refer to 1 Corinthians chapter 13 as the love chapter. In fact, when my older brother was married, they had me quote or read uh, 1 Corinthians 13. And everywhere where the King James word charity appears, I had to replace that with the word love because that is what it means. And uh, charity is an old uh, translation, an old rendition, but it means love. And so it's often used at weddings and other occasions, and we often call it the love chapter. Love indeed is a, a great topic of consideration. In fact, I remember one song when I was just a teenager, one of the prominent lines, it's the only thing that there's just too little of. I don't know about that, but I do know there's not enough love. That's for sure. I know that's for sure. There's not enough love in our world tonight. But love is not my chosen topic for this evening of these three dynamic elements of the Christian faith. It's not going to be love. What we see here in these final three verses of chapter 13 is Paul's effort to help the Corinthians to mature in their perception and their thinking as Christian believers, to mature from a childish perspective to a mature recognition of the most important elements of the Christian faith, the Christian life, and that is faith, hope, and charity, which is love. Paul clearly identifies that love is the greatest of these three. And I have no disagreement with him on that. Love is such a vitally important element that all of us need more of. There's no question. But for our time together this evening, I have chosen rather to focus more on the other two elements, faith, and hope, both of which are essential components of the successful Christian experience. And so faith is the beginning point of a relationship with Jesus Christ. How can you have a relationship with God if you do not believe in God? And so faith is the very beginning point. It is the very foundation of a relationship with Jesus. But hope also is important. Because hope is that element that keeps us going successfully. When times are hard, when things are tough, uh, when life is not going quite the way we feel like it ought to be going. Hope keeps us motivated. Hope keeps us going in our relationship with Jesus through all the difficult seasons of life. So I'll come back to these verses of my text here in a little while. But first I'd like to lay a track for us tonight that will enable us to explore several aspects about faith and about hope. And for that track, I have chosen to utilize the imagery and concept of a tapestry. 
tapestry. I know some of you ladies are probably familiar with that. Perhaps us men a little less so. But that will be my topic for our time together this evening, understanding the tapestry of life. I want to talk to you about the mystery of a tapestry. How many of you have ever looked at the back, the unfinished, exposed back of a real, genuine, handmade tapestry? You know what I'm talking about tonight? Well, the few tapestries and a quilt or two that we had around the Davis house, as I uh, went to examine them, Whoever put them together did a very nice job. They finished them off the way a tapestry or a quilt should be finished. They put a nice covering over it, sewed it up. I didn't figure my wife would appreciate me taking one of those apart. So I didn't take it apart. I just, uh, I just did the best that I could. What I have brought this evening is just a make-believe tapestry. It's the way that in our very cheap and uh, instant world, get it now and get it quick, it's the way we do most everything. It certainly won't show you the real appearance of a genuine tapestry, but because all of this is, is machine-made, it's not hand-made tapestry, but it'll give you a little bit of an idea. So excuse me just a moment here. I wonder how many things I'm tearing up down there beneath this as I hang this up here. Hold on. There's a will, there's a way. Now if it all goes crashing down, we're in trouble. All right. Well, you can see a little bit. Got the airplane upside down, but... You're really not supposed to know it's an airplane just yet. Anyway, that's the back side. It's the side that you don't hang up for everybody to see. It's the unfinished side. But were this a real tapestry, you would have all sorts of strings, just a holy mess over here. Because when you finish a tapestry and you put that cloth over it, what you're doing is you're hiding the messy side of the tapestry. You're covering it over so nobody sees the messy part. Well, let me share with you a few pictures tonight. I brought a few to show you what real tapestries look like. Now this is the back side of a tapestry. Very common sight. Let's see another one. Here's another one. You can see the fabric and you can see a bunch of just disorganized strings. And the next slide. Very dark but very same thing. Threads everywhere. One more. And you can see the threads just hanging down you see, to view only this side of a tapestry leaves us with a great mystery. We have no idea what we're looking at. We do not get to enjoy the beauty of what's on the other side of the tapestry. We see the messy side. We see the problem side. We see the unfinished work. We cannot see the beautiful picture that is being produced. We cannot understand the beauty or the purpose of, of what is being prepared for the visual senses uh, of individuals to enjoy. It is to us just a mystery. Well, let me, let me tell you tonight that life is a tapestry. Life is a tapestry being produced by God. And in our human state, we tend to see and focus on the messy side. 
we tend to see the, the, the disorganization and the loose strings. But God is producing something beautiful in every one of us if we will be patient and if we will walk in faith and trust and confidence in God. He is producing something of quality, something of grand beauty, something of great, wonderful grace. Our work, our life is a work a beauty in progress. It doesn't look like it a lot of times. There's a lot of times it doesn't feel very much like a work of beauty. It may contain confusion and jumbled situations and ugliness. And sometimes all you can say is it's just a mess. But that's because we're looking at the backside and we cannot see what it is that God is producing out of the ugliness of life. Let me assure you, God is at work in your life tonight. I know it doesn't always feel like it. doesn't always seem pleasant. God is at work. You see, situation with the passing of our dear brother Elliot Buford, they knew he was not in good health. They knew he was 90 years old and fragile. And they knew that he would not live forever. But that didn't make it easy to spend his last few days with him and watch him ebb away the life out of his body until finally he crossed over. It doesn't take away the hurt. It does not ease the pain. Just because you know that he's lived a long life, the hurt is still there, the pain is still there, and every single one of us has things in our lives uh, that we can look at uh, and they're not enjoyable uh, and they're not beautiful, but God through all of these things is weaving, 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 weaving to make in us a beautiful work of his love and his mercy and his grace. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God is at work in your life and in mine. To frame the process in just another way, life sometimes seems like a puzzle. Now, the little ones are not up here tonight, so some of you folks will have to, uh, have to uh, lay claim to these and let them uh, enjoy them tonight after the service. Let's see what I've got here. Dollar Tree specials. You get these home, and there's a piece missing or it doesn't even fit together, don't blame me. What can you expect for a buck? Come on, you've been at Dollar Tree, haven't you? You know what they sell. Those two are unopened. These two touched only by human hands, mine. That one's the least likely to get home with all the pieces, I can tell you that right now. 500 pieces, I believe they all are. There goes one already. 500. Some of them are already stuck together. You get a head start. A bonus, no extra charge. You know, sometimes life seems like a puzzle. Hundreds, sometimes maybe thousands of pieces. I love puzzles, jigsaw puzzles as a boy. 
I can remember a lot of holiday times when the dining room table was occupied with large jigsaw puzzles. I say, well, didn't you use the dining room table during the holidays? <laughs> no, we had never used the dining room. What are you talking about? All that frou-frou stuff, that was down the street or somewhere I didn't grow up with. I know all about it now. I didn't know anything about it then. Dining room table was for puzzles. Hello? Not China. Puzzles. I remember one. I thought it was as big as the earth, 7,500 pieces. They're pretty big. A lot bigger than these puzzles are. And we would work on that. We didn't sit around it for hours and hours, but we'd come and several of us would gather around. We'd sit there and maybe for 10 or 15 or 20 minutes we'd work on the puzzle till we got tired of it and we'd wander off back to find another piece of pecan pie. And so that was the way we very often spent our holiday times, puzzles. You see, the puzzle in this form here, in the box, out of the bag, the puzzle, it makes very little sense until all of the pieces have come together. Sometimes a piece doesn't even look like it will fit in to the puzzle. And you've gone around it and around it and around it and around it and finally you say, well, there's not many left. Let me try that one. It doesn't even look anything like the picture, but I'll try it. And you plop it, and there it goes. Fits right in what you've been looking for the whole time, but you just didn't expect that to be the one. It goes right into place. Sometimes you get the puzzle nearly complete, but then one single piece is missing. Maybe the dog got it, maybe it got knocked off the table onto the floor, kicked under a rug, picked up by the vacuum, who knows, but there's a piece gone. Now if you want to be really, if you want to really make some people frustrated, I'll put it that way, then you just hold out one piece of that puzzle because they get the whole thing together and they see this beautiful picture forming and then all of a sudden there's a hole there and no more pieces. And they just can't complete it. They can't finish it. They, 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 they can't complete the puzzle. They're frustrated. It's not complete. And there's nothing they can do to fix it without that piece. Isn't that just like our lives sometimes. In fact, sometimes it just seems like something is missing. We feel incomplete. We feel like something has just failed to bring it all together. And in fact, sometimes it may feel like your world is absolutely falling apart. There's a contemporary... Christian song I never know how long a song's been out because I'm it's usually been out two years before I even notice it I mean hey that's me but it caught my attention not too long back song by casting crowns and one of the significant lines in the song states your world's not falling apart it's falling into place. But to us, it often feels like it's falling apart. That didn't work out the way we thought it would work out. And, and that didn't go so well over there. And we feel like everything we touch is crumbling beneath our hands. Uh, and everything is falling apart when really it's not falling apart. God's got a plan that you can't see. Uh, the end of the plan. He knows exactly where he is taking you. Hallelujah. In other words, our life is just like that box of puzzle pieces. Sometimes it feels like none of the pieces are fitting together. It feels like our world is falling apart. 
but it's not falling apart. It's just coming into the right place as designed, engineered by God. Does that mean God ordains bad things to happen to good people? Well, no, it's not that God plans them and ordains them, but when they happen, it doesn't catch him off guard because guard because he knows everything. I have fun teaching about the foreknowledge of God. You can't sneak up on God. You cannot surprise God. He sees the end from the beginning. And consequently, because he has that grand foreknowledge of the whole picture, he knows how to work you through, weaving through all the circumstances of life so that when you get to the other end, you will be exactly in that right place, that place that he alone has crafted and, and designed for you. You see, it's... It's necessary that offenses will come. We can't avoid them. We live in a fallen world. If you want a world that was, was absent of, of goodness and absent or, or absent of, of evil and absent of wickedness, you want a world that was perfect in every way, you got here too late. That was back in the garden. And it wasn't God that messed it up. It was our ancestors that did the job, they messed it up. They opened the door. They let sin come in. We are so quick to blame God for everything that goes wrong in our life. Why don't we blame Adam? Why don't we blame Eve? They're the ones who threw away utopia and stepped out into the realm of disobedient arrogance and opposition to the will of God. God planned beautiful place but again it didn't surprise God and yet God still God still took a chance on humankind because God wanted a people who would come to relationship with him a people who would love him and serve him and worship him even on a Wednesday night. Not because they had to. Not because they weren't tired. Not because they don't have anything to do in the morning early. But because they love him. Because they desire to lift their voices in adoration to him and meet together with folks of like precious faith. Hallelujah. God sees the tapestry of our life from the side that we cannot see, the side that we cannot understand. And he sees a beautiful picture of his grace. Well, all we can see is just a messy tangle of disoriented strings and threads and knots. But we're looking from the human perspective, not God's. We see a mess of incomprehensible pain. We see a life of confusion. We see a world of disappointment. Oh, but God. God. He sees the front side. Look at these next two slides. That, can you tell what it is? That's the backside. That's the backside. Any guesses? Actually, this one's much better than some pictures I have seen. You can kind of almost tell what this is. Show them the front side, brother. A beautiful crown. A beautiful crown. But when you're looking at the back, you can't always identify what God is doing in your life. But if ever, once in a while, you can just get a glimpse of the real, the beautiful picture that God is producing in your life. Hallelujah. God views our life from a different perspective. His is not a human perspective. His perspective is divine.
God's thoughts and His ways are far above our thoughts and our ways. We get pretty big for our britches sometimes. Get pretty arrogant, get to thinking like we're just all that in a bag of chips. We just really got it together. We get to thinking we're really hot stuff. Um, our ways and our thoughts are so far beneath His. We haven't even begun to comprehend the things that God has prepared for those who love Him and who are the called according to His purpose. Praise God. Isaiah chapter 55, verses 8 and 9, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your we see the temporary elements of life. We see the transitory circumstances of life. But God sees the eternal. God sees the glorious. God sees the beautiful picture. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 beginning with verse 16. When you look at the circumstances of life... You can understand why Paul would say, For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. For our light affliction. Hey, wait a minute. Is this the same Paul that was beaten with 40 stripes save one several times? that was beaten, left for dead uh, along the side of the road? Is this the same Paul uh, that was shipwrecked, uh, had to grab a piece of board here or there where he could and float over the waves, uh, sucking in sea water uh, into his lungs just to make it to shore uh, and shake out and dry out? only to have a viper come out of the fire and latch onto his hand. The same Paul that said, our light affliction. Hey, listen, folks. Uh, we do a whole lot of belly aching, don't we? Come on now. We're in a carpeted church. Uh, we got air conditioning tonight. We got the best of technology, and, and we got padded chairs to sit on. Uh, and we're probably going home to air-conditioned homes tonight uh, in air-conditioned and, and comfortable cars. And still, we find so much to complain about. But Paul said, our light affliction. Because you know why he could say that? Because he was weighing against the glimpse uh, that he had uh, of another realm uh, when he saw the shining glories uh, that God had prepared for us. You see, actually, I can't prove it. It's not known. But I believe that when Paul wrote about that one who was caught up into into, into the third heaven. In other words, died and went into the third heaven. I believe that was Paul. I believe he was writing about his own experience uh, when he was beaten and left for dead. I believe he saw things, as he said, unlawful to speak about. But he saw glorious things. He had a glimpse of glory, whether it was a real vision and that he that was him that went up, I cannot say for sure. But one way or another, God allowed him to glimpse, at least in his heart, if not with his human eyes, uh, the portals of glory. The glory that God had prepared and is preparing for you and for me. He says, our light of fiction is just for a moment. If you live to be 90, if you live to be 100, if you live to be 120 of the oldest man or oldest woman on earth, it is just a moment. It's just a drop in the bucket in eternity. It worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. 
while we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. But the things which are seen, they're temporal. These things are going to melt with fervent heat. The things you see will not last forever. The riches you have accumulated. Oh, you, you don't know me, brother Davis. I ain't rich. Oh, hell. Some folks in India and China would disagree with you. In fact, I, I'd met ones from India that thought they'd stepped into heaven when they'd only stepped into the boys' dorm at Texas Bible College <laughs> that at that time in that campus was, well, it wasn't falling down, but it sure wasn't anything to write home to mom about, I'll tell you for sure. But he thought he'd stepped into the portals of heaven. He thought he was walking on streets of gold. Why? Because his perspective was different. No, we may not be rich folks. But let me tell you something. Those things we have accumulated, be they many or be they few, are going to burn with fervent heat. Then whose will they be? And we... We are going on to another place. We don't look at the things that are seen. We look at the things that are not seen. We look at those as the valuable, not the things which are seen, the things which are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Paul revealed that our suffering is not even worthy of comparison with the eternal glory of that God is working in our lives. We just can't always see it. Romans 8, 18. Paul here to the Romans said, For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. We see the temporal. We see the hurts. We see the pains. We see the disappointments. We see the jealousies, we see the anger and rage, we see the dirty, messy, nasty side of life. But God sees the other side. God sees what he's making of us. God sees the beautiful picture. We sometimes only see the messy side because we see through a glass darkly. That's our text this evening. We see through a glass darkly. Now, we usually read that with a Western mindset, and we think it's talking about a window pane that has been darkened. You just can't see through it very well. That which is on the other side is so dark that we can't make out the figures. We can't put the detail to it. But the glass that Paul was talking about is a looking glass, a mirror. The original text reveals that understanding to us, not just a glass pane, but a looking glass. God is showing us a reflection of ourselves. But the picture's dark. We can't make out the details. We cannot understand exactly what we're seeing, but we're looking in the mirror and we're seeing a reflection of the work that God is doing in our lives. You see, he is changing us according to another passage in Paul's writings. He's changing us from glory to glory. 2 Corinthians 3.18, But we all with open face, beholding as in a glass, that's a mirror, the glory of the Lord are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. You see, when God made us, He made us glorious. You don't believe that? You don't believe that? You need to get a hold of Dr. Paul Brand's books uh, in his image and fearfully and wonderfully made, they're old books. So you won't easily find them, but they are incredible books uh, where a doctor uh, alongside a Christian author, and I believe that Philip Yancey was the co-author with him on both of those books, if memory serves me correctly, 
and working together, he began to detail the thousands of miles of blood vessels, the work of the blood vessels moving the cells from the heart to every living cell in the body, uh, feeding each one of them with oxygen uh, and nutrients uh, and all of the vast uh, uh, systems of the body Time wouldn't even let me begin to tell you. I'm telling you, God made a masterpiece uh, when he made you and me. He made us with glory. But that glory was a human glory that was soiled, that was sullied uh, by disobedience, by sin. It was contaminated and, and it was darkened. But God, Every one of our lives is working us, uh, changing us from the glory with which you were born into a glory that is like unto his glory. Hallelujah. We are not seeing the picture just real clearly yet, but we are becoming more and more like Jesus. Oh, it's easy to sing, uh, but we don't necessarily like the process to be like Jesus, to be like Jesus, on earth I long to be like him. No, you don't quit lying. You complain every temptation that comes along. You belly ache over every trial. You go out to your car and the battery's dead and you think the world is against you. And you want to be like Jesus? Come on. Hallelujah. You see, we are not only fellowshipping, knowing him in the fellowship of his, of his love, but also in the fellowship of his sufferings. We are growing to be more like him. God is changing us from the glory with which he made us to his glory. We are becoming like him. God is shaping us into the very likeness and image the Lord, 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 10, but the God of all grace who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that you have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. It does not come about without pain and suffering. It does not just happen magically. I remember a gardener, a, 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 a man, uh, I don't know what you would call him, horticulturist, I'm not sure, who used to uh, have a program on KMOX. We'd hear him speak quite often. He, um, he passed away a few years ago. I don't remember his name. He had, and I think they, you know, trademarked the name, the magic bean. Anybody ever hear, remember hearing that? Well, it wasn't really magic, but that's what he called it. It's just such a good... Um, uh, nut uh, nutrient provider for the plants and for the grasses and so forth. The magic being, well, this process I'm talking about tonight, it's not magical, nothing about it. It's a process, sometimes a painful one. It's like the sculptor chipping away at the block of stone bit by bit, piece by piece. We are being shaped, sculpted into the individuals that God has fashioned us to become. And even though the mirror is dark and the image we see in the reflection lacks clarity and our understanding is incomplete, one day the image we see will be clear and it will be complete. 1 Corinthians 13, 12, For now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. For I know in part, but then shall I know even as also I am known. You see, the Lord already sees us as the finished works that he is making us into. He already knows us as righteous and holy and godly, whereas we're still working on it. We're still working on it. The Bible says, be ye perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. 
what we sometimes fail to understand is that word perfect means complete. Complete. It's a process. Perfection is not a state of arrival like we often think. Something is perfect or it's not perfect. But it's not a state of being. It's a process of moving toward a state of being. And we will move toward that as long as we're sucking the oxygen of this contaminated earth's air. We will be moving in that direction, hopefully. That's the process. Be perfect. As he's perfect. But he already sees us there. He's already got the whole mural finished. And he has fit you into that mural with a glorious beauty that is unsurpassed by anything you've ever known in this life. 1 John chapter 3 and verse 2, Beloved, now are we the sons of God. And it doth not yet appear what we shall be. We haven't seen it yet. We can't quite make it out. All we see are these, these nasty, ugly strings of the tapestry. We, we just can't quite figure it out doesn't yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Praise God. Hallelujah. On that glorious day, we will finally see with clarity and understanding beautiful tapestry that God has made of our life. All this while we've been looking at the backside. All this time we've been looking at the jumbled mess of strings and threads and knots of incoherence. But when God completes the work in us and we flip the picture around, we will understand the tapestry of our life. But until then, what does all this process require while God completes the tapestry of our lives? First of all, it requires faith. Because without faith, it's impossible to please God. It's impossible to even have a basis of relationship with God without faith. Faith secures us on the foundation of redemption and relationship with Jesus Christ. Faith is the foundation and the beginning of our relationship with Jesus. It grows and it grows as the Lord does his work in our lives and it continues to grow until it reaches the deepest, most significant measure of faith that is possible. That's we call trust. When you've been walking with Jesus for a while, you've walked with him by faith, but you will reach a place where you trust him. Early in our relationship, we're always second-guessing God. God, what are you doing? Why'd you let this happen? God, why didn't I get that job? God, uh, why did I lose my job? God, why did this happen? Why did that loved one get sick and die? We're always second-guessing him, but as we grow in faith as we walk with Christ we reach eventually that dimension of faith called trust I don't know what he's doing I don't understand what he has in mind but oh I trust him because I love him and I know he loves me and trust is enough trust it's enough Jesus, Jesus, how I trust him. How I proved him o'er and o'er. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus. Oh, for grace to trust him more. This kind of faith which trusts God implicitly leads us to that second element. And that's called hope. There's a yearning in my heart and soul for Jesus tonight.
And it is that hope that keeps me going when trials get rough and life is tough. Hope moves me forward, keeps me anchored to the rock of ages. As Paul said, if we have hope in this life only, we'll be of all men most miserable. Our hope is in Christ alone, but our hope is not in this world. Our hope is tethered to another world, a life eternal in the heaven. Faith and through hope, we have the only means available to truly see, to really understand the tapestry of life, the beautiful picture of God's grace at work in every one of us. as the artist has designed it to be. Beautiful, transparent, and understandable, and, and so logical. It won't always make sense now, but someday, someday, the work will be done. And we'll lift up our foot like our brother Elliot Buford. Not physically, for he was bedridden. But we'll lift it up from the terra firma. And when it comes down, it will be on a street of transparent gold. Praise God. That, that, that is the tapestry of life. Praise God. Would you join me in standing tonight? Hallelujah. I pray that something that I have said, that some scripture that I have read, that something will have sparked in you a sense of trust and faith in God, a sense of renewed hope in Christ, and a sense of understanding that you're not going to understand it all down here, but you can have faith and confidence in the one who's writing the script of your life and your trust, your hope is anchored securely in him. Pray with me, will you? Lord